When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast. And today we're looking at a character named Melchizedek. You can read him about him in Hebrews chapter 7 and what he might say to us today. The city of Sodom and Gomorrah, cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, which are somewhere located around the Dead Sea, what's called the Dead Sea today, uh, play a pretty big part in the life of Abraham. And the first time he has interactions with them is when a king called Chedorlaomer comes and steals a bunch of their stuff and kidnaps a bunch of them, including Abram's nephew, Lot. Abram rides out with his entourage and rescues them, uh, rescues them and takes all the stuff uh, of Chedorlaomer and the other kings who um, have done this kidnapping. And, and then there's this moment where he meets this shadowy figure, Melchizedek, or Melchizedek, however you pronounce it, it's fine. He's the king of Salem, priest of the Most High God. And Abraham insists that he give him a tenth of his spoils, his possessions, of all that he has. Melchizedek says, you don't have to do that. And um, just give me a little bit of that part of the spoils. And Abraham says, no, all of it. I have to give you all of it because I made a promise that I would give you a tenth of everything. And so this interaction there after this battle with this king of Salem, um, who Genesis um, talks very briefly about, uh, and these details of Melchizedek's life are repeated by the author of Hebrews. Whenever you have a character like this, whether it's Tom Bombadil in The Lord of the Rings or some other character that just pops into the story and then pops out, uh, a lot of... uh, People think about him a lot, maybe even more than the people that we have a lot of details. Melchizedek brings out for the famished rescuers, Abraham and his entourage, brings out bread and wine. He was a priest of the Most High God. Well, right there, you can see the echoes in the New Testament of this Old Testament event. Who else is a priest who brings out bread and wine and blesses the bread and the wine and says the the blessing over the bread, blessed be Abram by God most high, maker of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then this tithe happens. This tithe, tenth of what they have. And Abraham has this conversation and then Melchizedek disappears. We don't hear from him again. He's mentioned then again in the book of Hebrews as the archetype, the priest in whose order Jesus is descended, a priest in the order of Melchizedek. This priesthood is arguably better or supersedes the Aaronic priesthood that's from the tribe of Levi, the 12 tribes of Israel, 
Um, Levi becomes the priestly tribe. They are not given a particular part of land in the con- after the conquest of Canaan, but they are given c- certain cities to live in, most notably the city of Jerusalem, eventually where the temple is then built. But the Aaronic priesthood, which Moses and Aaron and others are part of, is a different order of priesthood. And the author of Hebrews is trying to tell us that Jesus, as our high priest, the one who goes between God and humanity, the one who stands between God and humanity, is qualified to do that because he, like Melchizedek, is eternal, an eternal being, is someone who can handle all the things that are thrown at him. Not only because he is fully human, like us, he can sympathize with what we're going through, but also because he has this divine origin. And this is what the author of Hebrews is trying to show, mainly for the point of giving people hope, giving us hope, that Jesus, who is in the Holy of Holies in heaven, is working on your behalf in ways you can't imagine or can't fully understand all the time. That the, what, the work that God is doing in heaven is the work of love for you. And Melchizedek is an example of this that shows, shows this, and Jesus is the fulfillment of this example. Um, and this priesthood of Melchizedek is not, does not come through hereditary rites. Um, that, that is not how the economy of Jesus works. It's not about who your parents are or were or what blessings they gave you doesn't matter if you came on the Mayflower or some other ship. doesn't matter what, where we all came from. What matters is our connection to Jesus. Jesus is not connected to the Levitical priesthood. He wants to, argue, wants to make it clear. Because those priests are subject to weakness. They are subject to the confines of hereditary office. The problem with any hereditary office, whether it's the kings of England or mom and pop's grocery store that gets handed down from generation to generation, is that every once in a while, you have uh, someone who's not really ready to take over the responsibility of that institution through a hereditary office. And that is, uh, in the history of the kings of England, a constant source of problems when you have a King John come up. Genghis Khan, who conquered so much of the world, his world, Um, didn't trust any of his sons to take over and didn't allow any of them to secede him. Um, And this is the problem of hereditary offices. And we don't have that in the the high priesthood of Jesus. What we have is is the, the legacy of God's approval, the legacy of grace. That is the lineage whom Jesus descends through. Even though he's from the tribe of Judah, which the author makes clear, his ultimate requirement or his ultimate credential that he brings is that he, he comes from God and that he can handle everything that you're going through. And so this is the kind of work that Jesus is doing for us in heaven, mediating on our behalf, praying for us, doing this kind of work in the heavenly sanctuary. And so our reflection of that, every time we share communion, every time we share the communion of prayer, Every time we, we, we study the Holy Scriptures, every time we do that, 
We are participating in the work that Jesus is doing in heaven all the time for you and for me. And that's why this is not just a humanistic exercise of a bunch of human beings trying to be better people. Um, That is not all that we are doing as a church. We are participating in the divine work of heaven. We are caught up into heaven in that work. Even now, that the experience of heaven and earth meeting is what we are experiencing in Christian worship, in the Eucharist, in communion, and in those moments of communion that we share with each other, those moments of love. This is our high priest, Jesus Christ, who is after the order of Melchizedek and is a priest forever. He mediates a better covenant, a covenant that is based on what God has done for us and not what we have done for God. And that gives me hope today in this time of great uncertainty, this time of expectation, this time of cold, this time of weather, um, to know that Jesus is working for us behind the scenes, in behind the heavenly scenes, behind the curtain of heaven, gives me hope and reassurance at this time. Uh, and I hope it does for you as well. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us and grant us thy salvation. Endue thy ministers with righteousness and make thy chosen people joyful. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world, for only in thee can we live in safety. Lord, keep this nation under thy care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let thy way be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with thy Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the Feast of St. Agnes. Remember... Agnes, martyr in Rome in 304 A.D. Um, Agnes of Rome is one of the martyrs of the early church who we have some pretty good uh, data on that she uh, that she was that her story comes down to us uh, very much intact in that we can um, think about her not just as a heroic example, but as a real person who was born in the Roman nobility um, around 291. And she was raised in a Christian family. 
and was 12 or 13 when she was martyred. Um, she was right at the age, 12 or 13, when marriage arrangements would have been made for girls of her age and her station in life. Um, and she refused to take a suitor. She refused to uh, become the property of a man that she didn't love. And as a child, 12 or 13, um, this was a, a way of showing what Christ was doing in her life to resist the pressure of family and others to, to stand up for what she believed in. Um, it is many years later that governments in the Roman world raise the age of child marriage to 14. It takes about a thousand years or about 700 years from this event for them to actually raise the marriage age to 14, eventually raising it to 16 in many states and then to, I think, 18 in a lot of states now. But you can see the kind of uh, suffering that young girls uh, endured in times when they were property given um, as brides to cement family alliances and to gain wealth for their families. And she resists this. Um, she raises draws attention to herself by this defiance of getting married at this young age. And so the Roman emperor Diocletian finds out about her and she is uh, severely injured, abused, left for dead, revived again, and then uh, burned at the stake and beheaded in a really macabre and awful uh revenge killing by the Romans against her. Um, and so she is one of the last martyrs of the church. She is one of the last martyrs of this early period of the church, where it is her example and her story that influence um, the young emperor Constantine I to, um, to change the rules on persecuting Christians and eventually to tolerate Christianity in the Roman emperor, Empire. Um, so we're thankful for the martyr Agnes, for her life and her testimony. Um, there is a lot of um, poetry and art dedicated to her um, as she is an example of a very young person who stands up for what she believes in, stands up for Jesus. Much like Joan of Arc or many others, um, we often think of the saints as old men um, old bishops or something, but many of them were very young who took this stand for Christ. So we commemorate her life today and thank God for her using the prayer here. Almighty and everlasting God, you chose those whom the world deems powerless to put the powerful to shame. Grant us so to cherish the memory of your youthful martyr Agnes, that we may share her pure and steadfast faith in you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Pray a colic for Fridays on 56. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace, through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And a prayer for mission on 58. 
Lord Jesus Christ, who did stretch out thine arms of love on the hard wood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of thy saving embrace, so clothe us in thy spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know thee to the knowledge and love of thee, for the honor of thy name. Amen.